Some of you know that when we started the church five years ago, one of the scariest things that I had to do was a children's sermon. Speaking to kids freaked me out. I can honestly say this morning, I'm excited the kids are here. It's taken me five years, but I think I can speak to them. Kids, we are really glad you are here. And I don't mean here this morning in the sanctuary. We're glad you're here as part of redemption. We have had a heart for kids from the very beginning. We wanted you to feel like this was not your parents' church that you got dragged to, but it was your church. It's why we have you and invite you to come into the service every Sunday in the beginning. It's why we do special things for the kids. It's why I have tried to learn to do children's sermons, because I want you to know you are a vital part of what we do. Last time I was talking and the kids were in here, I shared a story with you. I went to Colorado a year ago, and I did a ropes course, and I don't know how many kids remember this, but it was a ropes course that there's one section, one corner, that hangs out over a 600-foot drop, and I couldn't do it. A year ago, my daughter was up there, and she was doing cartwheels on this thing. And I'm just looking up there going, ah. And like my legs would not move. It was like they were in concrete. I could not make myself do this thing. And I'm not even afraid of heights, but boy was I afraid of this. This year, I had one goal in going to Colorado. Now, I'm going to tell you, my family had a goal, too. They wanted to get out of the heat. They wanted to see beautiful Colorado. I mean, there were things they wanted to do. They wanted to eat giant donuts, if you got to see that picture in the, in the email. I don't care about any of that. I just wanted to defeat the ropes course. My one mission. Dads, do you know what it's like when your 11-year-old daughter is kicking your behind? got to do something about it. And so you know what happens? This year, it's a two-level. This year, my daughter gets all harnessed up. She's walking up the steps. I'm getting my harness on. I'm walking up the steps. I get to the first level, and somehow, my super daughter has already made it to the drop. She's on the second level, on the very edge, walking across already. And I looked at her, and I went, oh, I can't do this. Like, it just sunk in me. Like, I couldn't make myself go do this thing. And I'm watching her get partway across. And I began to think about the church and all of the people that I let down. <laughs> and I thought, no, I am going to do this. And so I forced myself up those things, went all the way out to the edge. She has already, like, looped it, like, four times. She's now sprinting around it, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. Well, then I look down. Okay, so it's a triangle, and it like, goes out like this. The corner is out over the 600-foot drop. These two sides are completely out over the drop. The middle, it's just over other stuff. 
Well, this log on the outside, it used to be this kind of narrow little bridge. Now, it is a metal cylinder the size of a small log that rolls as you walk on it. Come on! <laughs> but I got up there, and I did it. I went all the way across that log, I went all the way across the other one, and then I got down as fast as I could. <laughs> but I had a mission. I had a focus. I was there for a reason. And as much as I wanted to have fun and see Colorado and everything else, at least at that moment, I was on a mission. Kids, and this is of course to all adults as well, but especially to the kids, we have a mission as our church. We're here for a reason. What we do every Sunday morning and throughout the week, we have a mission. There's a focus that we have. Now, I asked my kids, well, I asked two of them, said, what is the mission of our church? Why do we go to church? They had a couple of good answers. Learn about God. Pray. There were some good answers, and I said, yes and no. There is a particular reason at Redemption Church why we are here. And I have one goal this morning, and that is to help you understand what that mission is. Why are we coming, not just to church, but to this particular church? Would you all pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask for your spirit to be present, for our hearts to be open, and Lord, for you to teach us. This morning, I pray especially for our students, for all of our kids. Lord, speak to them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we gave out shirts uh, like a year ago. Or no, it was, a year, it was like February, I guess, when we kicked off our campaign. Um, this is the image for our capital campaign, Rooted to Reach. All of the prints, the leaves are the handprints of our kids that make up the tree. And when we launched the campaign, we also gave out shirts. Um, I see one here with Moses, and Kira's got one on. There's some people out there wearing them. We got a whole family over here that wore them. You guys are dedicated. I like you. <laughs> but we've got shirts out there, and the shirts have Redemption Church, and then on the back, they have our mission statement. If you would, in your bulletin, where it says sermon, I've got the mission statement there. If you can read, go ahead and get that. If you can't read, just look at it and pretend that you can. Mission statements. To equip and encourage people in all areas of life to live kingdom first every day of every week of every year. All I want to do for the next 15 to 20 minutes is explain that. Kids, I want you to be able to understand what we're trying to do here. So, let me start very simply. To equip and to encourage. Those two words. Kids, if you are on a sports team, would you raise your hand? Sports team, raise your hand. If you play an instrument, raise your hand. All right, that's got almost all the kids. All right, when you are doing those things, you are being taught 
or coached or mentored, you are being equipped. You're being taught how to either a particular skill, maybe when you're playing soccer, or if you're an instrument, maybe it's to hold your hand a certain way, you are being coached, you're being taught, you're being mentored. That's equipping. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to equip you in the same way that your coach or your teacher or a mentor might. That's equipping. Number two, what's the second word, kids? All right, one more time. Man, I gotta work harder. Encourage. Hey, here's what happens when you need encouragement. Have you ever felt down? Have you ever been working on a skill and it was so hard you thought, I'm not sure I can get this skill? Have you ever had a project in school and you thought, I just can't do this? Or have you ever played a game, you got to the end, you lost, and you felt like if I would have played better, we'd have done better? What you need at that point is encouragement. You need inspiration. You need motivation. You need somebody to come alongside you and say, it is okay. Let me help you. Let me work with you. I don't want you to give up. That's what we're trying to do when we encourage you. Equip and encourage. Those two things. Equip and encourage in all areas of life. All right, this is really important. You are not here on a Sunday morning just for Sunday morning. If you come to church on Sunday morning and you leave and you feel like, all right, I got that done, I don't have to do that again until next week, I am super glad you are here, but that's not why we want you here. We have bigger plans. The goal on Sunday morning is to equip or mentor, encourage you, train you, and to motivate you and inspire you and come alongside you in every area of your life. When you're playing sports, when you are hanging out with your siblings, when you have a tough assignment at school, when somebody at school begins to make fun of you, when you see somebody else at school that other people are making fun of. Hey, we were all areas of your life. The goal that we are trying to reach on a Sunday morning is to equip and encourage you in every area, kids, no matter what you are doing. All right, encourage you to what? All right, here's the big thing, and this is where I will spend my 10 minutes. To live kingdom first. Living, in this case, doesn't mean breathing. It means how you behave, how you conduct yourself, the things that you do. Live kingdom first. Now I'm going to jump to first. All right? First means the top thing, the number one thing, the thing that drives everything else. Kids, raise your hand if you have watched any of the Olympics. I know they're not on right now, but in the past, you've watched the Olympics. Hey, lots of kids. Adults, raise your hands if you've watched the Olympics. Hey, there's some hands not up. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> the Olympics, those athletes are amazing. Would you agree with that? And yet to get to amazing, do you know what they are? Olympics first. For that season, 
for seasons leading up to it, everything they do, all areas of life, is Olympics first. What they eat, it's about the Olympics. How they train, it's about the Olympics. How they sleep, it's about the Olympics. What they do for fun, it's about the Olympics. Because to be as good as they are, everything has to be Olympics first. Right? Different way of looking at it. My son, this past Christmas, got a Ninjago Lego set. How many of you like Legos? Oh, good, a few adults. I was hoping there'd be a few adults raise their hands. I love them. I got a Lego set for Christmas. It's not together yet, but I got a Lego set for Christmas. But he got a Ninjago Lego set, and it's that big ship from the Ninjago Lego movie. Can I tell you that for three days, he was Ninjago Lego first. It was all about it. I mean, he would like go to bed thinking about it, and he'd get up early so he could go work on it. Everything was about that ship. Kids, have you ever had something in your life you just you can't stop thinking about it? You're like, this. I mean, everything's about this. Whatever it is that's that first. So when we say live kingdom first, that first means it's our top priority. It's how we think about everything else. It's in light of that first. And here's the thing about firsts. Sometimes in our lives they change, right? I mean, he's not Lego Ninjago first right now because sometimes our firsts end up changing, all right? So let me give you an example. Um, as, as everybody at this point, I think, know, unless you are new with us, and now you're going to know, uh, my wife's going to have a baby soon. It'll be our fourth. When we had our first kid, we were clean germ-phobe first. I mean, we protected her from everything. And one of the big things that we did, we, she had to have a pacifier, and we used that pacifier, and any time that pacifier would hit the ground. I mean, it was time to like boil that thing in water or throw it away and get a new one. Because we were protecting her from all germs possible. Now, when our second child came along, it was a little bit different. If it fell on the ground, we would pick it up. We'd probably use some type of wipey or something and wipe it off, and then we'd, we'd give it to him. And then the third child came along. And we began to take the passy and throw it so that he'd have to go get it and bring it back and entertain himself for a while. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to do with the fourth child. He may have to go buy his own at the store because we just won't care. But it changed over time. The first was no longer the first thing for us. This living kingdom first, it never changes. This is our first. This is what we are about. Right, and I have to explain right now one of the hardest things to explain. So kids, I'm hoping you can get this and you can explain it to your parents later. All right, it's that hard. Kingdom. What does that mean? I mean, every reading we had today had the word kingdom in it. The kingdom of God. What does it mean to live kingdom first? If that's going to be our primary thing, what's kingdom? Now, if I just said kingdom, you might think things like castles, knights, things like that, dragons. I mean, those would be what we would see in movies, 
That's what we think of in the past, kingdoms. However, when Jesus first began to preach, all right, think back 2,000 years ago, and he's given his first sermon, which I don't think he was nervous like I was. I think he just gave it. Gave his first sermon. His first sermon, repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the good news. All right, good news. What's good news? If you start school, which you're all getting ready to, right? If you start school and a month in, all of a sudden one day you wake up and your parents go, they canceled school for the day. Is that good news? No, good, yes, that's good news. What if your parents after school one day pick you up and they go, hey, surprise, we're gonna take you to the movies. Would that be good news? What if they said, we're gonna take you out of school for a week and take you to Disneyland? Would that be good news? All right, it's getting a little bit more. We're at least getting smiles now. Hey, good news. Which means whatever Jesus was preaching about the kingdom, it was good It was something that should make people, yes, that's awesome. Whatever the kingdom is, it was good news. Now, when Jesus came and he starts preaching that, this is what things looked like. There were folks, as he wandered around the region, there were folks that were possessed by demons. There were people that were paralyzed or crippled. There were people who were sick. There were people who had been rejected by society, by their culture, by the people around them. There were people who were hurting. There were people who had been stolen from, who were made fun of. There were people just like in our world today, right? You might describe that. And I want you to look at this jar up here. This jar is filled with water. It's just water. However, Notice it's all the same. There's no difference. When Jesus came onto the scene, the world was filled with darkness. There were so many people that were hurting without hope. There were so many people who couldn't rescue themselves. And it was just this big world of darkness and hurt and pain. And then Jesus came onto the scene and he said, good news. The kingdom is here. And you know what he started doing? He started getting demons out of people and giving them their life back. He came to people who had never walked before, and he said, stand up, and they began to walk. People who were sick with fevers, he would touch them and say, be gone, and that fever was gone, and they were healed. And some of those people, there was a woman that had been rejected by everybody in her culture and she was out by herself by a well and Jesus went and talked with her and shared good news. Jesus went to a man who his whole country hated him. He was a tax collector. And Jesus looked at him and said, you have a place with what I am doing. Come have meaning and purpose in your life. This is what he started doing. If this is the world When the kingdom came and Jesus started healing and inviting and changing lives, this began to happen. 
it started to change. People started to know hope. They started to know a new kind of life. And as he kept going, more and more people were being changed. More and more people around him. To the point that that woman at the well, she actually started going to other people. When he accepted her, she actually went and she started talking about it to other people. Because the kingdom had come and the kingdom was changing things. The kingdom of God is the power of God to do his will on this earth. You know the prayer that we pray? Thy kingdom come, what? Thy Okay, those two things are in parallel to each other. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How? On earth as what? So the kingdom of God is when the power of God is breaking into our world, breaking into the darkness and the hurt and the nastiness and the meanness, the loneliness, and is transforming things. It is changing it so that it no longer looks like this, but it begins to look like something new and fresh and beautiful because God is doing something. That's the kingdom. And you know what? We cannot do it without him. So there was a house we lived in when my youngest son was one years old. And I remember one day I've got him, and he can't quite walk yet. He's still kind of unstable. He's coasting and things, but you got to hold him. And I went upstairs with him, and I walked into our playroom. And the best way I can describe it is I am pretty sure an actual tornado came into the room and just went around the room and took everything in that room and scattered it. There were toys and clothes and shoes and kitchen sinks and, I mean, just everything scattered about this room. And I looked at my son. I set him down. I looked at him and I said, you need to clean this up. And he did something like, blah, 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 blah. There was no way my son was going to take that chaos, that mess, that darkness. And there, no way he was going to clean that up. That was the kingdom of messiness. He needed the kingdom of Dada to go through that room. And I did. I went through the room and we cleaned all this stuff up, and he kind of crawled a little behind me, and I tried not to step on him as I got so focused on cleaning things, because that's what I do. And everything gets put in place, and all of a sudden there is peace and order in this chaotic place. And my son can actually find his toys. He can play. He can enjoy the world. We need the kingdom of God. We need the power of God to come into the mess and the chaos and order it. Let his will be done so that we can have peace and purpose and hope. So kids... Here's the interesting thing that happens. Imagine that this is you. Much smaller version of the larger one there. This is you. When you begin to live kingdom first, 
When you begin to say, I want God's will first in my life, and I'm going to rely on his power, I want to see his will be done so that when I see somebody at school and they're being picked on, I'm not going to pick on them also. I am not going to contribute to what's happening there. In fact, maybe I'll go get a teacher and try and help that kid. Maybe I will walk up and just stand by that kid. But I will do something because God doesn't want that kid going through that. And when we start living kingdom first, guess what starts happening to us? We start changing. Because God starts changing and transforming us as we live into his will. We can become different people. And do you know what God can do with us when we become different people? What would have happened before I changed to blue, which is, you know, a godly color? Before I changed to blue, what would have happened if I poured my water into this water? What would have happened? Nothing, right? It'd be the exact same because I was the same. But kids, this is the beauty of our faith. God wants to change us so that we can begin to change others. That we can begin to make a difference in our schools, our families, our neighborhoods, so that we can share the beauty of who God is with others and watch it be transformed. The amazing thing about all of this is Jesus came out and just transformed lives. But then he said, now it's your turn. I want to work through you. I want my power and my will to work through you. I'm offering it to you. And then you can begin to do, maybe not you know, quite as good as I did it, but you can begin to do what I was doing, transforming and changing lives. That's our joy and privilege, and that's why we're here at Redemption. Every Sunday, this is what it's about. We want to equip you, to mentor, to help you. We want to encourage you, come alongside in every area of your life that you would put the kingdom before all things, and that's how you'd live. God's power, God's will, God's redemption, his beauty, his goodness, that first, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, and then watch how God can change things through you. All right, do you think you could explain that to your parents? Because I don't know if they get it. Kids, I'm glad you're here. You are not just, I hear this a lot. You guys have probably heard it too. You're the future of the church. I mean, we say that all the time. And that's true. I want you to know you're more than just the future of the church, though. You're the present of the church, too. You're not just what we look at for out there. You matter right now, right here, no matter what your age is, what grade you are in. And we want this church to be impactful in your lives just as it is in the lives of your parents. 
Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these beautiful kids. Lord, thank you that your son welcomed the children. Your son said the kingdom belongs to them, and if we aren't like them, we won't be in the kingdom. Lord, help us as a church, whether we are parents or grandparents or whether we don't even have kids, doesn't matter, Lord. Help us to love, encourage, come alongside the kids in our church. And Lord, by your spirit, raise them up as disciples of Jesus Christ, that they too might live kingdom first. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.